Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Tomahawk Take podcast, our trade episode uh, podcast, as we're just a little over a week away from the trade deadline. Uh, I'm your host, Jake Mastriani, and with me is Alan. Good day. And Fred. Hi there. And guys, it's crazy to think that we're just a little bit, a little over a week away from the trade deadline, even though we're just, you know, 20-something games into the season. That's the craziness of the 2020 season, and I think it's going to be, obviously, a unique trade deadline. I think we will see some some activity, but I think it's going to come in the, the late hours as just about everybody is still in contention at this point, you know, except maybe the Red Sox and, and Pirates and a handful of other teams. But going to be unique. We were kind of talking beforehand about, you know, some of the situations that might um, come up. So we're going to get into that discussion a, a little bit later, but I want to start out with just some Braves news, um, specifically some injury news. and. I find it kind of odd. It's it's hard to get injury updates these days. I you know I don't know if the writers don't have you know as much access as as they normally do, but uh, I'm not hearing much on uh, Acuna or Ozzy or especially not Cole Hamels at this point. You know it sounds like they're hoping to get Acuna and Ozzy back by the the end of the month, but you know that's kind of up in the air. And with wrist injuries, those are always kind of you know dicey uh, to begin with. So. Uh, those are worrying me a little bit just because, you know, the wrist is so valuable for, for players. And, you know, I worry with the time off, you know, how much, how, how long it's going to take for them to, to get back in the swing of things. So, um, Alan, what are, you know, your kind of, what's your worry level there with uh, Acuna and, and Ozzy and, you know, just the lack of uncertainty of when they'll come back and how they may come back? Normally we have, Things like rehab games that these guys can play in to get their timing back and stuff like that. Now, at the alternate training site, whatever that is, I suppose they could still do some inner squad kind of games that might help them out a little bit. But I don't know how intense they are, how game level ready they those things are, and especially I don't I, I continue to have my concern over the fact that these are wrist injuries that we have seen time and time again with Freddie Freeman that uh, have kind of lingered and been almost chronic in a in a way that uh, have impacted his performance over uh, a course of several weeks and months. If these guys aren't completely healed. and they are being rushed back in any way, shape, or form, then, yeah, that that increases my worry level because we really need those guys to be 100%. So I hope they're not trying to rush them. I know that we had maybe some glimmer of hope that they might be back a week ago. So if that was the case and this is an additional week that they've been given, then, okay, so much the better. Uh, As it is, the way the standings are, and this will probably come up in several places today, the Braves aren't hurting in terms of the standings, and they can continue to 
put it in cruise control to some extent. So they don't need to rush those guys back. If, if they get back, if they're 100% great, if they aren't, I'd say let them sit for a little bit more and, and continue to heal up. Yeah, and you bring up, you know, an interesting point about rushing them back. And, you know, I don't keep trying to, or I try not to keep, you know, poo-pooing on the, the season. Um, it is a, it's, it's a weird season. And I think the season's always going to have that, that asterisk by it. I mean, again, if the Braves win it all, I'll, I'll be happy. I'll buy the t-shirts, you know, I'll, I'll uh, scream it and tell all my friends about it. But, you know, this season, I, I don't know how much you really put into, to winning it all this season. And, I wouldn't want them to rush Acuna or, or Ozzy back, you know, just for this year and, and take the chance of of hurting them, you know, in a in next season, um, you know, when hopefully we do have a, a full full season and a regular go of things. So uh, you bring up a good point there, and and maybe that's why they are being a little more cautious and, and sitting them out a little longer. But uh, Fred, what are your what are your thoughts on that? Well, I you know, the wrist injuries are always something that scare me to death. When uh, they told me Ozzy had a wrist injury, I said, well, like, that explains his uh, lack of hitting at the plate because the wrist is everything for I mean, You can play the field with a sore wrist, but you can't swing the bat with a sore wrist. And so that's what they explained Ozzy's bad start, sort of. And I really, like, like you and Alan have said, I'd rather they sit out and not come back until they're absolutely ready because – you can do so much damage to the wrist, and you can. It, there's nothing that can, you can make right with it. Uh, it put Teixeira out of the game two years earlier, there or three years earlier. DeRosa left the game because of his wrist like that. Wrist injuries are just awful and scare me to death. Uh, Hamels, I'm not sure we'll ever see Hamels this year. If we get him back in time to qualify him for the postseason, that's a good thing. Uh, but I read, you know, Bowman's column that he did not seem optimistic. And the people there didn't have an answer for him. Uh, Brian Snitker and those guys, they just, well, I really don't know. And, and that's a scary thing. And he pointed out that this shoulder injury that started all this was supposed to be healed in May. And in July, it wasn't. So, you know, I'm losing faith that I'll ever see him in, 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 the, uh, in the lineup uh, for more than a few games, uh, if at all. So I just hope we don't lose anybody else. Uh, the lineup has got... So many holes in it now with Albies or without Albies and Acuna. We have we have Riley not hitting and we have Camargo not hitting. Um, Ender's hitting surprisingly. Uh, so we have those places and, and Flowers is going to stop at some point. Uh, so it, it's it the bottom third of the lineup is just boy it's a lottery every night and um, I, it bothers me but I don't know if there's anything we can do about it. Yeah, the the Hamill situation is just, just kind of laughable at, at this point. I mean, we got given, been given little information of you know what's going on in his rehab, and yeah, I think we're all kind of on the same page. You know, I said before we started, before we got on, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. You know, when he's actually on the mound, but you know, I think I think a lot of fans are are hoping that he comes back and that he's Hamill's and that he you compare him with Breed and you have a solid one too. Um, going into the postseason, and you hope that Acuna and Ozzy come back, and and they're you know like their their normal selves. And if that's the case, then the Braves you know still got a good chance. But yeah, I'm not putting much uh, faith or, or stock in, in that happening, specifically the Hamels part. And you know, the more I think about it, you know, I, I don't want to I don't want Acuna or Ozzy coming back. You know, one minute before they're they're 100 for this 
this season. So that kind of, you know, leads to the the other discussion as well, you know, with the trade deadline coming up. I think the two, you know, biggest areas uh, of weakness for the Braves are obviously the starting rotation. Um, uh, I mean, we, we honestly only have one, you know, true starting pitcher in the rotation um, right now that you can depend on and Max Freed. Uh, and then third base is, is another big, um, you know, weakness right now, which is, is, is kind of crazy to think about, you know, going to spring training and even in summer camp, you know, Camargo and Riley were, were both playing great. Uh, they were going to continue that, continue that battle into the regular season. And, um, now they're both playing terrible. Neither one's been able to, to take hold of that, that job. So, uh, those are our, our two, you know, kind of biggest areas of need right now. And, um, Alan, you know, of the two, you know, do you see Alex, you know, making some sort of, you know, move for either of those positions? And, you know, do you think it'd be a, a big move or maybe just something kind of to, to patch through the rest of the season? Well, it comes down to what you want to do, what you are trying to accomplish. If you're trying to win the division, frankly, you probably don't even need anything because right now the Braves are the only team above 500. The closest team to them is the Miami Marlins, who's 9-9 nine and nine and lost five in a row. Everybody else is floundering. Uh, once the Braves get past this run right now of the Phillies, Yankees, and then the Phillies again, that's it. That's a, that's about as hard as it gets for the rest of the entire uh, regular season schedule. So they get through that anywhere near 500. They'll still be above 500. They'll probably be the only team in the division above 500. The Phillies were making some noise until they dropped two games against the, the Blue Jays today. That that was a little surprising, but it still it kills them uh, quite a bit. So you're you're not doing a trade to if you're going to do a trade, you're not going to do it to win the division. If you're doing a trade, you need to do it with an eye towards winning the postseason. So if you're going to do that at all, especially in this climate where everybody's going to be expensive and everybody's going to want everything that uh, is offered by the the, sell, the few sellers that are around, then you better be in it to win it. And so that's you got to determine what your mindset is. Are you going to try and win the World Series? Are you going to try and do this to not only win it this year, but uh, perhaps set your team up for another couple of years, get some kids under uh, under control that you can uh, use for another couple of years? That's fine. If you want to do that then and go all in, okay. But if you don't go in there with that mindset, then you might as well not do a deal at all. So whether it's pitching or third base or both, I think the same formula applies to, to, to both those positions. And if you want to continue to give Camargo and Riley a shot to give uh, to, to take the third base position, make it their own, then okay. Um, you may not uh, do well in the postseason this year, but uh, you may be set up better in the, in the long term. That's a matter of, again, your mindset about how you want to proceed as an organization, and it's it's going to be a tough call either way. Yeah, I definitely agree, and kind of going back to what I'm saying earlier, and I wrote about this the other day too, is you know I would not be that aggressive trying to win in 2020 for a season that is already weird <laughs> in itself <laughs> and and could be shut down at, at any moment. I, I just don't think it's very smart to be aggressive to try to win now. And I, I think this Braves team's good enough to at least get to the postseason the way it's constructed, even with all the injuries, you know, like we've talked about because the rest of the division is, has been so bad. Um, 
So, I mean, I, I think I think you're right, right on, Alan. If you're going to make any kind of move, it it needs to be with a mind or a goal in mind for the future as well, um, not just this season. Um, and those players are going to be super expensive because that's what everybody is, else is going to be doing. Um, and everybody's desperate for starting pitching right now, and it's just going to drive up the price even more. I think we're going to see, you know, even guys on expiring contracts, I think we're going to see, you know, the price be, you know, a lot more than you would want to pay for somebody that you're only going to get for one month um, just because everybody's struggling to find starting pitching right now. The third base situation, I, I wrote about this the other day as well. You know, I, I'm over Camargo at this point. Uh, I think we've seen enough of him. I, I want them to just give Riley Riley the rest of the, the season there, see what he can do, you know, kind of just consider this an, an audition um, to show sh- signs of promise for uh, the future to see what we have there. So I hope they just run him out there every day, you know, no matter what, give him regular at bats and see what he, he can do. Um, and I, I, I get, I mean, I'm sure there's probably a third baseman out there they could go and get to, to try to patch this together for the next month, but I, I don't think it's necessarily worth it to make that move at this point. I'd rather just see Riley go out there and, and get those at bats, you know, get some more experience and, and see if hopefully you know, we can see some signs of, of progress for the future. Uh, I do think Antopolis goes out and, and gets a starting pitcher, but I don't think it's going to be anybody that, that excites us. I think it's going to be a, you know, a middle or back of the rotation guy, somebody that, you know, is going to consistently give us five innings because that's just all we're looking for at this point, you know, from a starter, somebody that can consistently go out and throw, you know, five innings. So I wouldn't be surprised if he gets two guys like that. Uh, to fill into the rotation, um, you know, without, you know, without giving up much of anything, uh, I think he'll find two, uh, back of the rotation guys or middle of the rotation guys that can, can give us some innings. So I think that's, that's what I would do. And I, I think that's probably what we're going to see Alex do. I think the, the pitchers that are going to be controllable are just going to be super expensive, um, right now. So I just, I think it's going to be kind of hard for see any, deal like that getting done for you know even a clevenger or, or possibly even a lance lynn um but fred what are your your thoughts well i don't think the, the rangers are going to trade lynn uh first of all he, he makes about eight million dollars next year and they need a starting pitcher and without lynn they've got what the little boy shot at so um unless they get kluber back and his arm doesn't fall off or something and minor remembers to throw strikes I, I just I don't think the Rangers are going to sell Lynn. I don't think Miner's going going to be pitched well enough to be worth anything. I think you're right. AJ's whole program all along was buy uh, buy what makes me good for the future. If it help buy now, if it helps make me good for now and the future, don't throw a lot of money at short term at short term stuff. When he went to the Orioles and got Gossman and O'Day and all that the first time. He didn't give them anything, essentially. I mean, I know Ruiz is hitting over there now, but essentially he gave them a bunch of bodies, and here, here's quantity. And I think that, you know, if you do that, uh, if you find that somebody wants to make that kind of a deal, uh, then, yes, he might do that. If it's somebody, if, for example, the Indians wanted to move Clevenger and they wanted Drew Waters and, and uh, uh, Wright and somebody else. Yes, I do that because Clevenger's three years and he's stud. Uh, Plesak, he's probably worth water straight up. I mean, he's not Clevenger and he's not Bieber, 
but he's he's awfully good. And, and you know, give him waters and maybe send uh, Shebler along with him so he's got somebody to play this year. Maybe that works for them. Um, I don't see Evaldi, even though he's having a good night, I don't see any any purpose in going after somebody who's owed $34 million and hasn't thrown but 60 innings in the last two years. I I just think he's, he's an accident waiting to, waiting to happen. That's in the post today. Same with Johnny Cueto. Um, people want Johnny Cueto, and he's earned he's got thirty some million or twenty twenty eight million dollars coming over the next two years, and that's too much money for a fourth starter. So I don't know, you know, I don't know who you get. I don't know where they come from. Somebody asked on another side if uh, if if the Diamondbacks would tra- trade Robbie Ray. Sure, but what are you going to get get for him? He's a, again, he strikes people out, but he puts people on base and gives up home runs. So somewhere along the line, people have got to be realistic about what's out there. And I don't think he's going to going to throw money at or throw prospects at somebody that's not going to be with the team for long term. Now, if you want to go to Seattle and get Walker and you know throw somebody uh, some pitcher like Wilson or something at him uh, up there for uh, for Walker, that's probably a wash. If you want to get Seager with him, that gives you cover for this year and next year. Uh, maybe, but uh, the Devers idea that uh, that DeRose put out this morning is a non-starter. If I'm Boston, I don't trade him. Riley's fine. I mean, if if Riley's hitting along, and that's fine. It's, but you have to fix it this winter if he's not. You can't start next season wondering who's going to play third base. That has to be. I mean, it, it's past time to wonder for that. Uh, I'm with you on Camargo 100%. I don't think. I don't think he cares. Anymore. I mean, I, that's the wrong way to put it. He it doesn't look like he's giving it 100% to me when he's at the plate. And I think he's so lost, and he he's just not listening to anybody. He's not doing anything. DeRosa thinks he can fit Riley, fix Riley. I wish he'd come down and do that. But uh, I, I just don't, you know, you're, you're right. It's going to be, hey, I can get this guy for two months for um, a back-of-the-rotation guy that's never going to pitch in Atlanta. Okay, that's fine. I can I can trade right for this guy and that's fine, but uh, I don't, he's not going to go out and throw the whole farm at at, at somebody that's uh, not going to be there. He's just not going to do that. It's not his style and it's not what the that's not what the Braves need, particularly when they're going to lose you know uh, three hundred million dollars this year. Yeah, yeah. No, like I, like I talked about at the top. I mean, it's a it's going to be a unique deadline for a lot of reasons. And the the last one there you just mentioned is another key one. Is I think the Braves have the their highest payroll ever coming into the season. Um, and, you know, you don't know what kind of revenue losses they're going to have this year and how that kind of affects their plans, you know, at the deadline and going forward. You know, I do think we see some deals made, but I think it's going to be on a much smaller scale than, than people out there uh, are thinking. And, and again, as we sit here, you know, with just a little over a week to go, I mean, like I said, there's maybe three Two two teams in the National League that are you know you could say are out of it, and the the Giants and the Pirates. You know I think those are two teams that you could say are, are definitely out of it at this point. Everybody else is still in contention, so you know there's a a lot of teams that are going to think they have a chance to make the postseason this year with the expanded postseason. So I don't know how many deals we'll see <coughs> made, um, but it's going to be interesting to to watch for sure. I guess Fred. Uh, do you think yes or no the Braves make a trade before the deadline? Uh, yeah, I think they will. I don't know who it be, but I think they will. They will. I think he almost has to do something. We talked. We talked about the money thing. Well, the more games you play in postseason, the more money you're going to get. 
So he wants to go as deep in postseason as he can go without blowing it up and falling short at the first hurdle. So he's going to get somebody because I think the rotation needs at least one. Um, and he can pray, he can get one and pray, go out and, and ask Joe Boo to bring Hamels back or something. But I think he'll get at least one player, uh, and it probably will be a starter. It'll be, you know, the guy, the kind of guy you described. It'll be a Walker or a Smiley or, or somebody who's got, um, got the end of the year and then their walk. So that, that's the kind of thing. And I, yeah, I do think he'll make one. Al, and you kind of agree he'll at least make one, one trade. Yeah, and I keep warming to this idea. Uh, I mean, I gotta give Fred full credit on this. He was the first one that, uh, brought it up to, to us for sure, is the Walker-Seeger combo. And I do think that makes a heck of a lot of sense on, on a lot of levels. Uh, Seattle can get something useful. Uh, there's a good matchup there. Um, this, let's say that they can do this without trading Austin Riley. If they you know, send Camargo and, and other pieces and, and a you know, couple of pitchers that might be useful to them, I, I think it makes sense because, number one, we've done that kind of deal with those guys before. It might give another year or so for Austin to figure it out. Uh, if you put Seeker at third base, he's under control for another year and, and possibly even beyond that, but it, it, the money's not completely unreasonable. And if, yeah, if you go deeper into the postseason, you might end up uh, sort of making enough back to make that kind of a wash. Get him and Walker, I'd like to say Marker Gonzalez, but they just signed him to a long-term extension, so I don't think he's even on the market. But if you get Walker and, and, and Seeger, then I think you've got your needs covered and can, and certainly at least make a, a, a little bit of a run in the playoffs that way. Is it enough for the World Series? Probably not without a Cole Hamels, but you might be able to make a splash at least. And and if you shore up your lineup in that manner, both now and for the next couple of years, I think that kind of makes some sense. Of all the options that uh, we're looking at, I can't see anything else that really looks like it would work. You know, people mentioning Robbie Ray, well, sorry, the Diamondbacks just went on a run, and now they're in the in the playoff hunt. They're they're one of the wild card teams as it sits today, uh, and they're heading in the right direction. The Rockies are heading in the wrong direction, so he's not going to be available. The Rockies are headed south, but I don't think they're going to be completely out of contention that you're going to go after a John Gray or anybody like that. The Brewers. Who knows what they're doing? The the Marlins aren't selling because they're still building up their young guys. The Cardinals aren't going to be selling. The Mets aren't going to be, you're not going to want anybody from the Mets anyway. Uh, the Reds are, are kind of floundering, but uh, a few uh, good games out of their offense, if they can uh, get off the COVID schneid, then uh, they'll, they'll be in good shape. I mean, I don't see anybody else that's really available, and the Seattle, uh, the Seattle deal just makes all the kind of sense of the world if these two teams can get together. So, yeah, I, I do think they make a deal. I hope that's the one because I don't know what else there is. Yeah. I, I mean, I get it with the Seeger, and I, I definitely wouldn't be upset if it happened, but you know, I kind of stick to what uh, I said earlier. I, I'd much rather just see Riley get the, the playing time the rest of the year. And like Fred kind of said, I mean, make that decision now, you know, this off season, if whether he, he shows improvement and you, you feel like he's going to be your long-term solution, you know, or he doesn't, uh, and, and you decide what you're going to do with that position going forward. Um, so I, I'd kind of would just rather see, you know, Riley get that 
that playing time the rest of the year and, and see what he can do and kind of make a decision, you know, for that position for the future. Well, let me throw this let me throw this out real quick. Who do you go after for third base in the off season? Let, let's say we do nothing else at this point and decide, okay, we got to do something at the position. Who do you go after then? I suppose Seeker might still be out there. That, that'd be one. Uh, Nolan Arenado may or may not want to opt out, but I don't know that you're going to want to give him the money. And Frank, frankly, given the market conditions, he may not opt out because he's probably already got the best contract he's going to get. Um, so, I don't know where else you go there. Um, and if you, you go now, you might be able to get, uh, what you're going to get then and then still shore yourself up for this year. And Justin Turner, Justin Turner's contracts up in LA this, this year. Uh, and they're either going to have to sign the 36 year old back or they're going to have to find a third baseman. Yeah. I mean, just looking at the free agent list, I don't, I don't see anybody out there. I mean, I'd have to look a lot deeper to see who may be available in a trade. Um, but I, I guess, you know, the point of that too is I don't see Seager as a long-term, you know, a solution. He's got, he's got one Nobody year does left it. and then a, a team option. So he doesn't have to be a long-term solution. He just has to be sort of a stopgap to give yourself some time to get Austin, maybe more AAA at bats, maybe more seasoning. I mean, if we end up with a National League DH full time, like everybody's sort of expecting, that may actually help him out too. I don't know, but uh, he, he's got three options: left field, third base, DH, that uh, he could fill. And that could work for the Braves, especially when Ozuna's contract is up and he goes elsewhere. So having a Seager at third base is not a terrible thought there. This is why I continue to warm up to Fred's idea. I keep buttering up about that, but, you know. I'm glad J.P. Barossi read my stuff and come on board with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, I think that kind of goes to the point is I just don't know what's what's out there. Maybe we'll have a better pitcher in a week, you know, when we see – you know, maybe some more teams fall out of the race, but you know, like I said, I think there's only two definitive teams in the National League that are out of it at this point. You know, in the American League, you could say there's probably four, five, you know, that are out of it right now. So maybe, maybe some more people will come available in the, you know, a week from now uh, that we weren't aware of or, or maybe didn't see coming. But yeah, I think it's just hard to hard to know exactly what's available at this point. And, and what teams are going to do, and I just don't think they're going to do much. And uh, like I said, I, you know, to answer my own question that I asked both of you, I, I think there definitely will be a trade. I think Antopolis will definitely make at least one trade. I think it will be, you know, a starting rotation kind of middle back of the rotation guy. But I just don't see a you know a blockbuster move happening and, unless unless the Cleveland situation is just so sour at this point that you know that kind of forces their hand to to trade a Clevenger or Plezac, but I just kind of don't even see that happening either. And if it does, I think that's probably something they take to the off season and do. Um, I just, I can't see either of them getting moved right now, but. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say this about that. The Indians need those guys to be pitching if they're going to make the postseason uh, the way they're constructed right now, either that or they need some more offense. So, they got to be back. We're going to find out pretty soon, I think, what that situation's like. And it's going to happen before the trade deadline. So, uh, if those guys are going to be made available, I, I think it, we're going to know soon. 
if they're if not, then I think they'll they'll probably be okay and 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 keep them. But uh, they have to bring Clevenger be back. They have to bring Clevenger back before twenty days, or the union's going to go ballistic on them. And the other thing is, they don't need a fifth starter until next week. So the, they brought this Savali back up, and he pitched well. And they're bringing another kid up tonight to pitch tomorrow, or they brought him up to pitch tonight. One of the two. Uh, but I think you'll I think they'll bring them both back up. Because you don't throw away pitching like Clevenger and Plisa. Yeah, I mean that. It, that's you know that's just uh, that's cutting off your legs and trying to run. Those guys are the future. Uh, they're both under control for years. They're, they're going to be the heart of that rotation. And yeah, we hear all this inside, but ball players want to win, and and Clevenger, uh, Clevenger in particular, and uh, gives them an opportunity to do that. I, I think they might move Plisak for the right outfielder because they, they really need the offense, but I don't think they're going to trade Clevenger at all. I, I think that would be a bad, bad, bad mistake. If I was the Cleveland GM, I would not do that. But then that, that probably means to do it tomorrow morning. But I, I just think I just think it's a bad idea. Uh, I, I don't know what you what you'd take. I, I would need three players for Clevenger. I'd need a pitcher and a couple of hitters that I knew were going to work, and, and I don't know what you were, who's going to give you that. I just, I, don't, I, I just don't believe Cleveland's going to do that. The the real trick is that they they definitely have some fence mending to do there, and if it can get done, then they'll be all right and and everything will be uh, kubaya and, and all that. But uh, if they can't get together on that, if the if these guys don't satisfy their teammates that they're going to behave that they're truly remorseful and all that kind of stuff, then we might see something moved. Now, whether it involves the Braves, that's that's a different story. But uh, I I think it bears watching. Can can we get whoever is in their development system to come to the Braves because they just keep throwing out pitchers that just dominate. I mean, I'm looking at their their stats now. Every single one of their starters has an an ERA under under four, and you know mm-hmm. this year just whoever they throw out there, uh, they just keep you know seemingly developing pitcher after pitcher, which kind of leads to a, another topic. I guess we can touch on because. You know, it was kind of brought up this week, and I, I wrote about it, you know, whether or not the Braves have a, a develop, you know, developmental problem with their starting pitchers, because there was the tweet from, from Lucas Sims that I think most people have probably seen, kind of bashing the Braves a little bit and how they handle their pitchers. So, Fred, I, I'll throw it to you first. I mean, do you think there's, there's something wrong in the system? Because we're seeing, you know, promising prospect after promising prospect come up and just, you know, fall flat. For the most part, obviously, Freed and Soroka are the exceptions. But, you know, we've, we've seen guys like Wright and Wilson, um, you know, and, and Tukey and, and others, and Newcomb and Fulte. They, they all just seem inconsistent and up and down. And, you know, do you think there's something in the, the system that's wrong? Well, I think I think a pitching development system needs two things. It needs people that teach correctly, and it needs players with the ability to carry it out. When you're talking about these guys, Wright, Wilson was never projected more than the fifth starter. Never. Wright was always a middle-of-the-rotation guy. Tukey was always a middle-of-the-rotation guy. When we got Fulty from, from Houston, he was projected as a, as a three-plus or a, or a 
two minus. He was never predicted as a top of the rotation guy. Your top of the rotation arms, all those the whistlers and and the, all those other guys that, that filtered through the system, those were all middle to back of the rotation arms. Now they may have been the best available at the time, and, and that's a question you can argue about. But the problem we have is that we get players who are hyped so much, and then they come to come up in the middle and they find out there it's a big jump. If you go back and look at Wright, what Wright was doing in AAA and what he was doing in college, it's the same thing that he's doing now. He's, he's throwing strikes that are getting too much to the plate, and he's missing off the plate. Now, that's part of it, okay? I'm not saying he can't fix it. I'm not saying his stuff is bad. Uh, I like Tukey's stuff. I think Tukey's got better stuff than Wright. But the question is, how do you get that over the plate? The flip side of this is that we've gone from being a fastball 60% fastball uh, uh, league, pitching league, to a 30% fastball pitching league. And you get these guys who came up right and, and, and Tukey, these guys coming up throwing, throwing heat, throwing heat, and now they're told, well, you, you know, you've got to pitch that breaking stuff. I think that's a philosophical thing, and I think that comes down from the top, and I think it starts at Mike Fast. And I think that second parader, or whatever that second guy is up there, I think those guys are preaching, look, you know, the league is going to breaking pitches. You've got to lay off that high fastball that's going to get hit, blah, blah, blah. And you're pushing that down, and that, that, that's sticking with the pitchers. And, and that's, it's, an, it's antithetical to anything they've been taught, be, taught before. Before it was everything works off the fastball. Everything works off the fastball. But it doesn't anymore, or it's not. I don't want to say it can't, but it's not right now. People are throwing, you know, 40 and 50% breaking pitches. Fastballs drop back to 30%. Uh, off-speed pitches are 20%. And for people who never threw those before or who threw them as their secondary and tertiary pitches, the transition is really difficult. I watched Casey Mize pitch for Detroit in his, in his game, and he never threw much over 92 miles an hour. But it was all over the place, his split fastball. It was all there. It was all around the edges of the plate. When you get guys who've been throwing fastball, fastball, fastball all their youth career, and they come up and say, okay, now you got to put that curveball in. you got to get that slide piece up there. Those have got to be on the edges of the plate. And those pitches were things that they didn't use, particularly on the inner half against aluminum bats. Um, it's a hard transition for them. It's not that they can't make it, but it is hard to do, particularly when you have a uh, have a, uh, a catcher back there who, after two innings, starts calling breaking pitches on top of them instead of calling that fastball to lead them off. So that's what makes me think it's, it, it's, it, there is a systemic thing here, is that you've got uh, right throwing fastball, 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 uh, first two innings, and then the pitcher's got no, or the batter's got no chance. All of a sudden, he's throwing breaking pitches that are off the plate, and they're letting them go, and they're spitting on them, or they're hitting them because they're sitting there, and the catcher's calling those. And so you got to believe that there's something out there. Some reason he's not calling that fastball anymore. Uh, so I think the answer is yes and no. I don't. I think that the the prospects we got that were very hyped just aren't. They just aren't Casey Mize. They aren't Mike Clevenger. They aren't Plesac. They they aren't these guys that have that have that ability to adapt and change. And Plesac grew up with with pitchers in his family. Uh, some of these guys didn't do that. So it's not fair that. Uh, but you look at the system that Bieber. And those guys, they have the pitches that move all the place. Soroka and Freed are throwing the same thing they've always thrown, but now it fits the mold. It's down. It's off the plate. It's it's not it's not high heat. Although Max gets up to 94, 96 sometimes, but most of his stuff is down and hard and in, and that it works off the breaking pitches. 
That's their game. That's why it works well now. And for me, from my point of view anyway. Um, so, you know, maybe that's, maybe I'm just looking at this and seeing something that isn't there, but it sure looks like that, that that's the problem to me. Yeah, no, I think there's definitely some merit to that. Um, you know, I, I, I personally think these guys have the stuff. I, I think it's in between the ears for the most part. And maybe I devalue a coach, you know, more than I should. Um, but once you're to the professional level, I mean, a lot of that stuff is kind of on you. And I think for a lot of these guys, I think they were thrust into a situation a lot sooner than they probably should have been. Um, and, you know, really didn't have that time to, to kind of be eased into anything, uh, specifically this year. And even at the beginning of last year, I mean, like I said, there's no reason or, you know, for Wright and Wilson to have to start the year in the Braves rotation other than, you know, they, they had to, the Braves didn't have anybody else because of, of injuries, but, you know, I think that that was kind of detrimental to them. Um, but we've seen them go back down and have success in AAA and then come back up and have the same kind of problems. So, you know, I, I think a lot of it has to, to do with the players and just their mentality. Uh, I don't know how much a coach can, can help with that. Uh, at least that's what I'm seeing. I mean, Sean Newcomb looks like he's terrified uh, when he's on the mound up there. I, I think he's just a head case at, at this point. And, and the problem, you know, you're saying, Fred, I mean, these guys are projected to be middle of the rotation arms, and they're not even doing that right now. And I think that's the biggest issue. I mean, yeah, you had these stockpile of, of top prospects, and, you know, you hope one or two of them become an ace, and they've done that in, in Soroka and Freed, and you hope the rest, you know, fill out the the back of the rotation. And, and we're not even getting that from these guys. So that's what's worrisome to me is that, you know, Wright's not even a three at this point. He's not even a five at this point. You know, neither is Wilson. And, you know, neither is Tukey. And I think that's where it's concerning. Yeah, I'm not expecting all of these guys to be top of the rotation pitchers. But, you know, at some point you're hoping that, that some of them can fill out a rotation. And we haven't gotten to that point yet. But, uh, Alan, I don't know, you know, if you have any thoughts on on the system or or, or how you think these players are developing. I won't belabor the point too much more. Uh, Lucas Sims himself was also one of those overhyped guys who uh, probably was middle rotation at best himself. Uh, seeing him pitch, his stuff is also too straight uh, and subject to being hit at the major league level. Uh, similar to what we were talking about on, on Nate Evaldi. Uh, I mean, he's Evaldi's got a 97-mile-an-hour fastball, but it doesn't go anywhere. So, you know, that doesn't work. Uh, one of the guys who is bucking the trend against the fastball is Trevor Bauer. He of an 068 bingo uh, ERA right now, and he's still throwing uh, a fastball at a rate of 56%. In fact, he's increased his fastball usage this year uh, as everybody else has decreased it. Uh, the, the Braves have been one of those teams that have led, seemingly led the way in, in the junk stuff uh, trend here. Um, I, I think I heard the other day that, uh, in one of the Blue Jays games, it was probably Wright's game, uh, that all pitchers combined to throw roughly 39% fastballs or something ridiculously low like that. Uh, I don't think you can work that way. Number one, it's going to pick off the umpires because they can't 
make uh, if you th- throw these big benders like you know, Tukey's got, for instance, uh, they're going to have trouble calling strikes. Uh, that's that's number one, but that's probably a minor point behind the fact that if you're throwing this stuff, you've got to command it. And if you're not, if you don't have that command that you need, then you definitely need to work off the fastball because that's what's going to to be your bread and butter. That's how you're going to get ahead in the counts. I don't see that happening. I see these guys uh, starting to nibble and, and get tentative, and this is just not conducive to getting hitters out two and three times through the lineup. If, if we keep doing that, I don't know if that's uh, on the pitchers, the catchers, the coaching staff, or what, but let's bring back Leo Mazzoni, please. I mean, that's <laughs> what we really need here. <laughs> Start well, with a fastball and command it and go from there. Leo, Leo would like this lot because he pitches down, 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 down. And they, they, they're, now they're doing that high fastball thing. One thing I want to point out, look around the league and look at your pitching rotations that you consider to be the best in the league and how many of those guys are homegrown on every team. How many of them? The answer is not more than two anywhere but Cleveland. Okay, Every place else has got a couple that they grew, and then they picked up players along the way that other people have cast off or that were excess and they've made them into something. And the fact that Bauer is succeeding uh, doing this is just proves that when you look at the numbers too much, you all you see is numbers instead of people. Bauer looks at that and goes, if they're throwing all junk, they're not going to see my stuff. And so he blows it by them. All these guys are throwing sliders and splitters and curves and, and cutters and, and sinkers, and, and then he comes up there and blows 98 by them at the chest, and they can't see it because they're looking for the other stuff. You you're, Alan's absolutely right. The fastball is and always will be the best pitch in baseball. And when you start drifting away to that, because, well, you know, the numbers, they look like this. I'm going to tell you that if you throw 98 at the right spot, I, they're not going to hit it because you just can't. And if they do, you tip your hat to them and keep throwing it because they're not going to do it very often. But when you start backing that down, you, it starts looking like a changeup. And when it looks like a changeup, they can get on that. So I, I just, you know, I think that if you look at the rotations, the Indians are the only ones you can look at and say, hey, all those guys came from us. Yeah, yeah. I'll correct you on one thing. That a well-located fastball is still the best pitch in baseball. And I think <laughs> I think that's yes. really where, where Wright and, and Tucson are, are struggling. And really a lot of pitchers, not just the Braves. You know, I think it's a, a league-wide, you know, issue is they just think, you know, you throw it hard and you'll, you'll throw it by them and it doesn't really matter where it ends up. And, you know, I'd almost rather see a pitcher – you know, sit 92 and locate it rather than throw 97 and not sure where it's going. Um, or put I it think over the middle of the plate, yeah. Right. So, <laughs> well, that's that new philosophy of just come up and throw it as hard as you can, kid. Right, they yeah. That's tell pitchers you've got to go nine innings, so pace yourself. Uh, and Smoltz would say, look, I started off, I always had something in reserve if I needed it. Even my, even Faulty, when he was throwing well, he wasn't throwing 97, 98 in the first inning all the time. He had it in the seventh and eighth if he needed it. And now... Uh, they come out and they throw as hard as they can, as, uh, and it lasts five innings. Their arms sore, and then they go get their arm replaced. Yeah, now that's kind of the point I was making. I mean, that's just kind of a generational change that that we've seen. Is you know, kids are coming up, and they just want to throw as hard as they can. They're not worried about locating it, and uh, I think that's kind of the problem we're having. Is right, and all of them are coming up, and they're just throwing as hard as they could, and that, they got away with that. And you know, the the little leagues in college, and even in the lower minors. Um, but but major league hitters are going to spit on that and wait till you come over the heart of the plate with one of those fastballs. So um, 
So, I mean, I, I agree. I, I think a well-located fastball is still the best pitch. And, again, I don't I don't know what Kranitz is teaching. I know people, you know, in the industry love Kranitz, think he's one of the best out there. You know, but I he think taught he taught Aaron Nola. Right. Aaron Nola was his guy. Aaron Nola seems to be doing fine. So, how do the Braves fill out this rotation internally? We'll we'll kind of end on on this. I think we've kind of belabored that point a little bit. But say say the Braves don't aren't able to make a move. You know, how do you see the Braves' rotation shaping up the rest of the way? Because because right now, because of all the the off days we have on Thursday, you really could just use a four man rotation. And right now, that looks to be uh, Freed, Tukey, Tomlin, and Eflin. I think um, Erlin. 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 Uh, I'm not even sure at this point. Um, but how, how do you think that the rotation kind of plays out for the Braves? I mean, I can't believe that these are going to be the guys. As much as I love Tomlin, I want him back in the bullpen. Um, but uh, I don't know. What, what You think Pulte's coming back? You think Newcomb's coming back? Uh, Fred, I'll start with you. How do you think the internally the rotation shakes out? I don't think they know. I mean, I think they're going to continue to use starting pitchers for that. Uh, I I really hope I see Davidson at some point because he is a starting pitcher. The problem we've got is that he's not thrown five innings, six innings at at the alternate site. Uh, None of these guys have. So they're not going to be there for long. Um, I think your best bets are still your your best options is still try to get right and Tukey correct, get Davidson into the mix somehow. And, and hope that we can piece it together because as Alan said, we get by this next six, eight, ten days and I think Erlin and them will be fine through that, through that little cleanup at the end of the year. But, you know, those guys aren't going to win anything for you long term. They're there. They're placeholders to find somebody. Um, I, Davidson has earned a shot. He was the best pitcher in AAA last year. Um, I know everybody wants to see Ian Anderson, uh, a hallelujah, hype, hype, hype machine. Maybe Ian is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Praise the Lord, I hope so. But he's going to come up, and if he comes up and gets shelled and gets shelled and gets shelled again, his it's going to be in his head. And we we people say, well, he's 22. He ought to be able to do that. No, only certain pitchers are able to do that. Only the Smoltzes, the Glavins, the guys who come up and they just they understand but these kids are young, and they come up, and they, you're the savior, you're the savior, and they shove you out there on the mound and do it. I think the, the guys like Davidson, who've, uh, who have worked their way up through it and earned the shot, are going to get it. I don't know what happened to Weigel. Maybe he's out getting coffee for people. But they're going to try. They're going to have to try those guys if they don't make a move, and then they're going to piece it together and hope for the best. That's all they can do. Wright's going to get more shots. Uh, Tukey's going to get more shots, unless they're traded. And then uh, you're going to see Davidson and you may see Anderson, and I just hope that uh, hope that he doesn't do badly because uh, if he does badly over and over again, it's a, it's a go back and look at the Tigers at the, in the early 2000s and look at all the, what happened to all their prospects that they threw out there at a young age. It, it just doesn't do them any good. So I hope that uh, they're smart enough not to do that, and uh, that the pitchers who have earned the chance get a chance to fail. That's all you can ask. Yeah, I think we're all three on the same page with with Davidson. Um, I I can't believe he hasn't gotten a shot yet. I I think he's, 
the more mature prospect at this point. Um, and I, I don't know. Obviously, we don't know what's going on at the the other site. Uh, you know, we're not you know able to watch those games. Don't have any stats, but you know, from everything I've seen from him and being able to see him in person, I know me and Alan um, did, or or I know I did. I think Alan stayed for that game. Yeah, yeah, I was um, there that one. You know, he he seems like the he has the mindset to be able to come up and and handle that stage and and be able to to give us four or five innings, which again is all we're really asking for. Um, you know, I, I and I kind of go back to the same point I made on Riley earlier. You know, give these kids a shot this last month and let's see what we have going forward. Um, and, you know, Alan alluded to it earlier. You know, our September is a pretty you know, soft schedule comparatively. Um, so you get through these next couple of weeks and, uh, you know, September, you know, should be much easier. Um, you know, give these kids a chance, you know, let, let Wright back in the rotation and just see what he's got the rest of the year. It looks like they're going to, you know, give Tukey more opportunities here. Um, you know, I think Davidson needs to, to get a shot at some point. Uh, I think Weigel should be next in line. Um, I think Bryce Wilson should should go to the bullpen or be traded. Um, you know, Davidson is is down, you know, probably fifth on my list at, at this point. But that's kind of how I I would see it playing out. Is you know, Frude, Tukey, Wright, and, and maybe um, Davidson, or you know, if Hamels comes back. Uh, but again, not not holding my breath there. But but Alan, what are your kind of thoughts on how the rotation should shape out? Well, let's listen to the the names you just uh, rattled off there. Add to that Tucker Davidson, add to that Ian Anderson and uh, Fulty and Newcomb. All those guys who are pitchers, which ones do you want to take to the playoffs? Because yeah. it doesn't really matter what you do for the rest of the season. You can cobble it together. The question is, what do you want to take into October? And... That's why I think we haven't seen Ian Anderson, for instance. He had that one inter-squad game that was, uh, well, at least partially covered on on Sports South the other day, and he went six innings, struck out 12. Great. Sounds sounds like the kind of guy we need. Well, we haven't seen him, and they just have decided not that, that he's not going to be exposed to this situation right now, at least. If not, then, then... I mean, when? I mean, you got obviously an emergency situation kind of going on here where you're cobbling together things on a day-to-day basis. So it, it, it's like there's a conscious decision not to put him in that fray for at this time. I don't know where you go from there uh, when you get to October then. And you, know, you could literally roll some dice and, and pick names out of a hat, and you'd probably get the, about the same kind of performance right now. The Braves really have a problem. They really need to get a trade done of some ilk to to come up with somebody who's going to give you five or six innings, even if they give up four runs. This this offense should be able to handle that. The, they just got to be able to get through that. But you're not going to get past the Dodgers. You're not going to get past uh, the Cubs right now, I guess. Uh, and, and you're not going to get through the postseason into the World Series without some sort of stable starter. And of all those names you listed, I don't see that happening. I don't see anybody in that list who can give you that unless somebody out of those 10 or 12 names can come up and do that. 
they have to do a trade and they have to get something accomplished to at least shore up one of those spots. That's where we're at. And if that's the, the state of mind, I mean, we're seeing a lot of prospects coming up in the, in around the majors to do pitching. Detroit's brought up two of them in the last couple of days. You, you've got that kind of uh, mentality among the teams that aren't going to be competitive in October. So that's, that's the deal. You're not going to go into the postseason with rookies. So you got to do something. So sorry. One thing Alan mentioned there at this point, if you can keep this team within striking distance to the seventh inning, this team's got a chance to win. That's the, the, the problem is that we're not there at the end of four innings. We're down four runs. You know, by the seventh you're down six runs and you got to fight back. And sometimes you can do that. But if you get a guy, even if it's a if it's a walker or a smile, anybody who can get you through six innings without having the roof cave in on you, this lineup's got a chance of bringing you back. And even with the bottom third of it, not always hitting because hitting is contagious. So that's the point. And the, you know what gets you there? Experience gets you there. That's what gets you there because it takes it's a mental game. Jake, you've said this two or three times. It's in the head. You get on the mound. You've got to know what's coming. And you get that, how do you get that? You get that because you've been in the bigs long enough uh, to know that you go out there and you do what you can do and let the team do the rest and stop trying to, you know, cut a sixteenth of an inch off the side of the plate and hope the catcher can frame it for a strike. Just throw strikes, make them hit the ball on the ground, and get the outs. And that's what you, that's what experience gets you. That's why the Royals brought up Matt Harvey. That's why these guys, Walker and Smiley, and, and, and these guys are pitching now is because they, they go out there and they understand. And you throw that rookie out there, and maybe he understands. But uh, the Royals brought up Finnegan. Remember when the Royals brought up Finnegan, and he was their savior straight up from the uh, signing and into the World Series, and he hasn't been any good since. So you've got to keep, this, keep them close. That's the deal. Uh, find somebody to keep them close. Get, keep this team in where that lineup has a chance to come back and hurt people. Yeah, I guess my mindset's maybe a little different than, than both of you because and maybe this is me being a bad fan, but once Roka went down, my hopes of winning a World Series this, this, this year kind of went out the window. Not saying the team couldn't do it, and like I said earlier, I think this team could, you know, easily make, make the playoffs and, and I'd be quite shocked if they didn't actually, but, you know, you're just not going to replace that. I mean, maybe Cole Hamels comes back and like I said, you get that one, two and that gives you a shot, but, I just don't see there being somebody out there that the Braves are going to get in a trade that's going to replace Soroka. Um, I don't see anybody internally coming up and, and all of a sudden replacing Soroka. So my mindset the rest of the season is let's let's see what we have for the future. And that's why I would just run out, you know, the young guys. I'd run out right. I'd run out Tukey. Um, I, you know, I'd give them a chance and see what we have for the future. Because like, like I said, I, I think it is a mental game with, with both of them. And I think they just need to have that one start, have something click, and I think they could be solid middle of the rotation guys. But that they got to be out there. They got to have the experience, like you just talked about. You somehow you got to get that experience. So why not just let them do that the rest of this season? Uh, I mean, I, I think we can still get into the postseason with those guys, you know, in the rotation, especially if the lineup is is at full strength. So I think my mindset's a little different. I, I'm not. I'm not looking for the Braves to make a, a big postseason run this year. If they do, great. Uh, I'll be ecstatic and be be happy about it. I'm more so looking at this next month and a half as kind of an audition for for next season. So I think my mindset's a little different there. 
Well, what we're saying is I, I, you don't have to be trying to replace Soroka because you're not going to. But what you do need is some sort of stability. I mean, this is right. And I said that I, I think they'll yeah. go out and get that. I think they're going to get, you know, at least one middle of the rotation guy. So, like, yeah, I mean, who, I think that's going to happen. So. This is what we had Julio Terran for, right? Right. <laughs> is, is the guy who would go out there and at least give us some innings in most cases. So, yeah, a trouble is we've got four or five slots in the rotation and guys are going to get their brains beat out every, every time right now. And I think if we can reduce that number by one or two, then I think that would help, help them not go out there all the time and they can still get their experience. They can still uh, get their turn occasionally, but they don't have to be uh, counted on every fifth day necessarily. And that's, that's the the thing right now is you got to save these guys a little bit. All of us want those kids to go out there and get the pitch, but but we have to take the the, the onus of going out and being the the guy off of them. We have to give let Freed and at least one other pitcher come out and give us five or six innings so that you can run right and Tukey and Davidson or whoever out there and they can say, well, you know, we've got the bullpen's rested because these two guys have been here. We haven't used them. Let's just go out and pitch. Uh, and and get them in the place, and we we'll get them the experience that way without putting four rookies in the rotation and saying, "Okay, go get them, kids," because that's that's never that has never worked, and it's not going to work this year. You're going to end up with you're going to you're going to have some uh, casualties in the pitching situation of pitchers who just either they take they don't come up when they should, their growth gets stunted, or it takes them longer to come up. Um, yeah, and and we all want these kids to succeed. I guess hearing you talk about, it, I guess we're kind of on the same page because, like I said, I think they're going to bring in somebody to kind of, you know, stable the rotation a little bit. Somebody that's going to give them innings. I definitely think that's going to happen. Uh, I just think the rest of the rotation needs to be the young guys and just give them a chance, let them go out there every fifth day and, and see what happens. Uh, you know, because you asked the question, Al, you know, which, which one of these guys you feel comfortable going into October with? None of them. Um, yeah, but <laughs> I mean, that's that's the answer. None of them. But like I said, my mindset's not. October, my mindset's, you know, 2021, and I want to know what I have with these guys. So I, I want to see them get, you know, as much experience as possible. But but I do understand the, the point of, you know, maybe you don't want them feeling like they have to go out there and, and dominate, like they're trying to replace Soroka because that's not going to happen. And, you know, maybe getting somebody, you know, that can go out there and, and eat some innings and along with Freed, maybe that does settle them down a little bit because, it does seem like when Soroka went out that the pressure went up on, on these guys to try to replace that and be the man, and obviously they've all kind of fallen flat. But you know, oh, it's a heavy load. It's a heavy yeah. load when you try to do that. You look at Soroka and you go, wow, i got to take his place. Uh, and and you, you know, you're absolutely right. They've got to go out and learn it, um, and, and we need something to give them a breathing space. Uh, and that's what we're looking for is just give them a breathing space so that they can go out and learn as you said, you know, get somebody to take those innings, let them go out and pitch. Let them go out and pitch. Rested bullpens, they can get them, if you get them to five innings, get them to five innings. Hey, next time they go five and two-thirds innings. Because their bullpen's rested and they know that they don't, they aren't dumping on the bullpen in the fourth inning. It, it, this, these guys, they depend on each other, they see each other, and they go out there and say, well, I just, you know, Tomlin's been in every damn game. I've got to go out and I've got to give him a break. I've got to get these guys a break. I've got to go deep. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to, instead of just going out and doing what you can do and let it go. 
And yeah. I think there's I think there's that mentality. These guys, they, they're a prospect. You know, Wright's been highly touted. Tukey was highly touted at one time. And they say, well, man, I've got my, I've read my press clippings. I'm supposed to be able to do this. And I'm not doing it. And what am I doing wrong? And they get in their head, as you said, and they're, you know, they're trying to fix things that aren't broke. If they just go out and pitch, uh, do what got them there, they'd be all right. But they can't do that because they feel like they've got to do more. Yeah. No, that's the tough part of it. I mean, like I said, I, I think – you know what I talked about earlier. I think the biggest problem is just the in between the ears, and um, you know I don't I don't know what can be be done about that except like you said try to put them in you know better better spots, better situations. But definitely a good conversation. Um, but I, I think we'll go ahead and wrap it up there. As, uh, we kind of gone a little little long here, but appreciate everybody that stuck it out and, and listened to the podcast. And again, make sure you check the check out the site tomahawktake.com. We'll have a lot of stuff coming up this next week is uh, trade rumors pick up, uh, and then hopefully by the time we record this next week, we'll we'll have a lot more uh, clarity on the the trade situation, and maybe even we'll have a, a trade to discuss by then. So uh, that'll do it for this uh, edition of the Tomahawk Take podcast, and we'll talk to you next week. This hand wringing pre trade deadline edition of the Tomahawk Take podcast is a production of TomahawkTake.com and Fansided LLC a subsidiary of Minute Media Inc. Opinions expressed on the show today are ours and ours alone. All rights reserved. Some of the musical selections used today come to you under the auspices of the Creative Commons license, terms of which are available at creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0. These are pieces by Kevin McLeod entitled Opportunity Walks and Feeling Good. His works are featured at incompetech.filmmusic.io. All other selections used come via rights purchased by TomahawkTake.com. Thank you for listening, and may your podcast be, eh, well, shorter than this one. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done